of Bobcast. With you as always is Bob, live in the lounge, staring at the Ouija board. Now the Ouija board in itself is a work of art and it's getting mad as spooky out there this October. Art comes in all sorts of different shapes and sizes. The history of the publication of art goes back for, well, centuries. And it's a fascinating subject if you think about it, art being played out. Last week on the Bobcast, we spoke with tonight's guest's brother about how you could appreciate art more. So I thought it'd be great, in hindsight, to collect some information and bring tonight's esteemed guest into the Bobcast. The Bobcast. The Bobcast. Into the lounge to talk about just how insane it is out there in the art world please welcome mr joe kim hey hey how about that back to back kim brothers that's sweet i love it double kim remember (laughs) double dragon double kim dude i thought about that like you know just this happened just by chance because you and i try to get this podcast off the ground a few times yeah i just think it's months i think months in the making but now tonight we we're supposed to meet tonight and we are here and we're excited to talk about all things art. Yeah. Talking I about think like just like how it got out there, you know, as a, I guess, former artist, you can, maybe you're never a former artist, but mm-hmm. from my own limited perspective, the difference in music, let's talk, let's start with music. You're a okay. musician too. I mean, mm-hmm. back in the, for a long time, you always needed some middleman you always had to find some format, which is either tape, CD, seven inch, 10 inch, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And you, you just couldn't do it without some sort of benefactor or someone who was interested, someone who had power. And uh, that's all changed. I mean, that's totally changed. Anyone can be an artist. Like w- this podcast itself is a form of art and you don't need a radio station. Like you're, no, you're doing don't. it. It's no. awesome. It's my own um, work of art. I really think it and feel like this is my expression that I want to get out. You know, it's like the only way I really can do it in this digital world is to to actually talk to somebody, to sit across from them week to week, you know, yeah. and engage in conversation, which never really happens so much more. So that, you know, like if we're, we'd have to be at a bar and we wouldn't be facing each other, we'd be side by side or do you know what I mean? So, right. I mean, it is in itself something that I treasure as art making the covers and you know time to time putting in you know sound effects for people's music you know what i'm saying (laughs) yeah totally um but i feel like so compelled to do it you know like i can't imagine a life where um like i couldn't express myself yeah so there's a marketing guru his name is seth godin like super smart guy just really understands how no one is holding you back especially Mm -hmm. now and if you follow him on Instagram, he, I do. yeah, he's got these little blogs and it's like six sentences and it's just perfect. You know, basically the message is always the same. No one's stopping you. Go do it. 
Yeah. Right. Create some love. Create something. Yeah. Do something. You know. I mean, I I can imagine it's got to be strange for somebody who doesn't feel creative, and it also feels strange for me to to not know how somebody feels that way. You know. Yeah, and this notion, I think a lot of it, it comes from fear, mm. and people are afraid to get it wrong. But like this podcast and anything we do creative, you you always learn from the last one, you get better, yeah. and you evolve. And that's part of being an artist. And as part of publishing it out in the world, you see the evolution of someone's writing, or someone's painting, or someone's music. And that's, uh, you know, doing that now, you can do it so much faster, you can reiterate, you don't have to wait two years for your next album or something. No, you don't. You can just get it right out there. So just do it. Yeah. yeah it's super cool. I, I mean, this would take a, a podcast 20 years ago. Weekly would take quite a lot, you know, tape yeah. and, you know, getting it out there on the air and stuff like that. Radio waves. Anybody can do a podcast. This is easy right here. The setup is easy. <laughs> We're in, in my grandma's kitchen right now with $200 microphones, a MacBook Pro and some five below headphones <laughs> it's working just great <laughs> it's just so you know it's it's a little bit of a prestige if you will but the prestige always needs to be published you know and that's the interesting thing too about art is that it needs to be seen and heard so getting it out there as far as music requires you know publishing rights stuff like that it breaks up bands yeah. I mean, Cobain wanted um, all of the publishing rights of the, the writing and it almost broke up the band, I guess, during the In Utero tours because mm -hmm. the notion gets brought up. Right. Who I, owns this? Yeah, right. who owns this, right? So, like, this is this is the part that, like, I want to bring to the table when it comes to that. Like, when, when you're in the band, I nobody plays one part the same. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, somebody shows me something i'm gonna put my own spin on it no matter what because it's me doing it you yeah. know what i mean like yeah. but i i get how that happens where bands could be upset about it and like but what i don't like is when like publishing rights go to people other than the artist like famously right now with the thing with taylor swift you mm. know like her going after scooter braun or i think that's his name right yeah, I think so. Or even back in the day when Michael Jackson bought the Beatles catalog. Oh, yeah, because he said he was at a party and, right, he was like, yeah, that's a good idea, I'll do it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I feel bad for McCartney because I don't know if he was just trying to collaborate with Michael Jackson on things like, uh, what was that song he did on Thriller, uh, The Girl Is Mine, mm -hmm. um, as a way to just kind of like get close and politically mm -hmm. maneuver to say, yeah, why don't you let me buy my own catalog back? But I don't know. I don't, I don't know the timing of whether that was before or after Michael took the took the whole catalog. <laughs> he just took the whole thing. And it's just so, I mean, I work at oldies.com and there's a lot of stuff like that with publication rights and stuff like that and who owns what. And like, I don't know. The way that I feel about that as an artist is like, it's ours. Whoever we Whoever made it, there's never should be a scenario where that happens and I think that's where publishing and all that kind of stuff with management kind of went wrong where they let it go by the you know the, the waste there's other factors to your music you know right your art is now not just publishing but it's also licensing you know what I mean like yep. and like there's different names for it like when you make up names for art you get yourself in trouble <laughs> okay you either a manager a promoter <laughs> a podcast host or somebody else who's trying to make 
maybe money or maybe intention off of somebody that is providing the art. Right. Or if you get too close to copying it. Like, so for yeah. example, I can't write a story about a young Jewish boy named Barry Cotter, <laughs> who is a magician. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. it's too close to Harry Potter, who's a wizard. Like, yeah. I, I get pinched for that pinched <laughs> and that's happened time and time you know i mean you don't hear all the stories anymore but i remember you know i think in the 80s and 90s more reading about stuff like that but i mean come on like sesame place fraggle rock you know what i mean <laughs> he-man he-man um he mastered the universe with like what would be like the polar opposite of that at that time uh, care bears yeah. you know and just all that shit, like My stuck. Little Pony. Just so much stuff is just like stuck in my brain from there. And then you know, it's weird. I can share some of it to my son. He's three on YouTube, and he'll be like, "Okay, what's this? Things were bright back then, right? Right. They don't take time for the commercials like that no more. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if there's a toy commercial, you're like, what? What the hell is this doing on TV right now? You know? Or this form of art where people are opening up toys on YouTube, and that's the art itself. Yeah. yeah so I'm looking forward to that followers. so much, dude. So like my <laughs> Son is about going to be four, and he's starting to understand direction, right? So I'm going to start yeah. making these YouTube videos, going over toys and reviewing them and making stories about them and making thousands of dollars off of, like, you know, <laughs> others. I, I guess that's the whole, the, the whole thing about publishing, though. When it comes to music, and it's good that you brought this subject up first because I'll ease into a more relaxed state later. <laughs> it has these... As a musician, it's just one of the worst things you say to yourself is that oh it'll be okay it'll be okay yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll be all right everything's gonna be okay i'm good but then you get yourself in trouble or you didn't you know register something correctly or somebody has sold your song to you know what i mean right like, it's all because yeah art is subjective definitely but people it's weird how they don't want to just make their own art yeah why do you think that is, Joe Kim? You know, I think this world has something to do. Uh, sorry, pe people who who want to enjoy art always feel a little comfortable when they know it already, hmm. right? It's it's going to the going to a show and you want to see what the artist has already put out, and then you don't you don't really get into the new t tunes that they play that night. But mm -hmm. soon those new tunes will be old tunes, and it's like dude you're just like you're in the moment of it's of being of being published over the airwaves mm -hmm. and it's only for this audience like cherish it so this notion of familiarity i think is a you know a key thing that drives not just the art itself but the publishing of it right people are used to books that are bound they're used to buying something in a frame seeing it on instagram just doesn't seem like art which i think mm -hmm. is totally wrong yeah i i agree i mean like if you're Putting it all out there for everybody to see is something in itself, but I mean, protecting the artist is, uh, you know, intellectual property. I always go with, you know, yeah, it's totally. got to be that way. I uh, had submitted a script to um, a local film company about we, my brother and I are screenplay writers, and we wrote a story about my grandma who lives in this house. Nice, and she was combating um, mental illness and paranormal type stuff going down. And it got some attention from the industry. And then uh, we had submitted to a company here called Blinding Edge Pictures, I believe. And uh, 
they also announced later that year that they were making a movie about an elderly Ooh. couple that was based in like a, this thing called Sundowning. Yep. It turned out it's M. M. Night Shyamalan, and the film that came out was called uh, I forget the name of it now. Like blocked it out. <laughs> but truth be told, eerily similar. I'm guessing the visit. That's the name of the movie. Uh, the visit, I believe. Um, it really had nothing to do with mine, but I mean, like a year before the film was made, just two sentences gave me major concern because I was like, oh my God, like are they, are they taking my story? Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you get that pit in your stomach. Yeah. And the that rage. Pit in my stomach. Yeah. I, and that's weird, right? Because somebody's copied your work, right? Yeah. <laughs> it all goes back to being in school, right? Some, yeah. Somebody's like, oh, Look what look what Joe's doing. I'm gonna do that too. <laughs> and you're like, no, 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 no. That's mine. <laughs> you know, I've been watching this thing on Netflix called The Evolution of Hip Hop. Have you have you watched yeah, that? I've yeah. seen, so good. I love hip hop, man. I love the expression of hip hop too. Because it's 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 the origin of true hip hop to me is like when they had no choice but to express themselves through art about what was, what was going, going down in their yeah. neighborhoods. And yeah. the true like essence. I mean, like there was Great R&B, but like hip hop in itself, my God, dude, when it exploded, it was a message for the whole nation to wake up that this was going down. And that's the beginning of like, um, almost in a way for me, like with, remember like when technology first start getting good enough that they could capture things? Yeah. You know, like a night, what, what year was Rodney King? 95. I, used, like to, I used to have an assistant, but he ran away. He's in the <laughs> mental institution. Um, yeah, but like I remember that, and I remember like a bunch of other things with the paparazzi killing Princess Diana. That was the beginning of like the rise of the tech, you know, like Skynet, if you right. will, from right. an artist's perspective. This beast coming out of the, you know, <laughs> the heavens that was going to challenge artists everywhere in, yeah. in a way. And yeah, that was yeah. technology, you know? Yeah, and like so what I didn't ever knew about hip hop, I was an early fan, but um, like I only got into it during like the furious five and mm -hmm. Grandmaster flash. So, but I didn't rec realize there was this guy, cool Herc, mm -hmm. right. Who was just throwing these house parties in the era of disco, but throwing it using, you know, really good soul music and oh, wow. buying two copies of the album and just playing the breaks, right. Going oh, wow. through one, playing the break, then the next one playing that break and just, basically cycling the break of a soul tune and you know i always wondered where that term break dancer came from from and that it comes from dancers playing to the breaks that's of so all these amazing. soul tunes like really cool but you know that's these are you know little known black artists who make amazing music and cool herc comes along and he remixes that and it's a new art form but to your point about who then owns it like you, you want to, you know, everyone needs to share in that. Um, I know. In that, it's uh, so hard to define though. It's hard, I mean, right? it's it, it, because creating something isn't like necessarily, it's hard to explain. You know what I'm saying? Like if you come up with something, a song, like that's your song, no matter what, you know what I mean? Like, and then it's not, you know, and then it's used in video games that you don't want permission for. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, huh? Like what happened? It's all that. Pardon me. <laughs> part of the industry where people are just you know they're clamoring at the bit to get something out of other people's art right and i don't even know what you there's not necessarily i don't have a name for a person like that 
I don't well, really like calling people names, but like you know what I'm saying, like vampire. <laughs> I guess human vampire in a way, but I like I'm trying to reflect upon like why is it that they do it just with art though? Because they don't necessarily do it with like okay, say for instance, I'm really good at uh, plumbing. Okay, hey y'all, come over and fix your your shit. Everything's gonna be great. Nobody's coming over to me, but like, hey man, I'll give you ten percent. <laughs> I'll take 10% of all your gigs, okay? I'll get you all the right. best pipes in town. You'll be cleaning out people's shitters for months, dude. <laughs> There's none of that. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe there is. That is that society? Maybe there is, though. Like, or is that the way the human brain reacts towards art? Uh, I think it could be the way the human brain reacts towards yeah. it. Yeah. It's weird, right? Yeah, say more about that. I'm just touching upon it now on the surface, but it's like, I believe, okay, so like I have been um, cruised. Let's just, yeah, cruised. That's a good word to describe it. By people of interest for, for stuff I've done with, you know, everything from Downtown Harvest to the Bobcast. You know, people who want to get something out of my art or my band's art or whatever, you know, for them. And I've always wondered why, you know. It was like, you, you could do this too, man. Right. Because like, to be honest, like, I never knew what the hell I was doing in downtown Harvest. I am not a musician, man. I am an artist. I memorize shit. You know what I mean? And I express myself <laughs> through those notes. You know what I mean? Like, I, if you told me to jam with a band, I would last maybe a minute and 20 seconds, dude. <laughs> I'm not built that way. I'm built in a different way. I like to create and draw, do many different things. But with music, it was more about expression rather than the music. You know what I mean? So somebody trying to come and like take 10% off that... Why not just go do it yourself? And why is this attention on me for being an artist or a musician or whatever you want to call it, but other people, people who now in my late 30s... Your followers. I, I, no, no, I wish that I had somebody who was like, oh, Bob, you got a problem over at your house? I'll be right over. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. the, 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 I, the people who do things the best don't get adoration. Yeah. Creating, oh, yeah. creating art Often creates lots of adoration and it's a wasted thing like I like this band 21 Pilots and God I hope that they don't go after me if they listen to this I'm going to tag them but listen like the fans are so insane with it right yeah their music you wouldn't know it if you just heard the song Stressed Out keeps people alive they have a saying they have a like, catchphrase to refer to when somebody's feeling like alone and suicidal because some of the themes are suicidal hmm. these people get the same tattoos as the lead singer like all over their body you know oh, yeah. and i get i i get adoration but i don't understand it all the way through as it comes to, like it's the art the motion of making something doing something and i know if you just don't have like you know I mean, if, if you think you don't have the physical capacity to do it, why not just take the chance and do something? You know, don't go shooting for Madison Square Garden. Go for like, you know. Dude, it's a lot of fear. It's just a lot of fear. Why, why it was do, beaten out of us somehow. Somehow <laughs> along the line, I lost fear. Okay. Yeah. And it's not necessary. I think it was when I really became a parent is when I just started fearing. I stopped fearing for myself, really. When you stop scared, when you stop worried about yourself, and you're like, "Oh my God, dude, like them," you know what I mean? Like, I gotta take care of them. That's the best for some men. Part of it is, it's like as a parent, you're constantly screwing up, and so and you're constantly that helps adapting. Yeah, yeah, that helps get rid of the fear because mm -hmm. you know you're gonna get it wrong <laughs> the first time. It's an interesting point, though. The thing, yeah. though, I just never understood the you know the human vampires. Be like, "Oh, dude, we'll get you this, we'll get you that. <laughs> you'll be here, you'll be there." 
it'll all be good. You know? you know, the other thing about art and the publishing of it and the creation of it is you can, you're, you can practice so much more out in the public, mm-hmm. meaning not out on the street, but where everyone can see it. Like gone are the days really where you're just, uh, you, you spend months or years to, to do one piece of art, whatever that might be. And then you release that and that's it. Mm-hmm. And then on to the next thing. Like with the way social media works and the internet works, you can constantly kind of practice almost in real time. Like this thing is a practice for you. This is practice, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And the next yeah. one. And, and this is the 213th practice. Nice. And like when you, pra- I like practice. Yeah. You're asking me like, how do you get the the discipline to like do it? Band practice. That's yeah, where I got it. That's right. To do the podcast each week, it took. I mean, I just always had something to do each week that was a creative expression of my myself. You know, as an artist, I feel like you shouldn't be shamed of it. You know, I feel like you're right in saying that there's a lot of fear as it comes to it, so people can never actually become published because of their constant fear yeah. of success. Yeah. You know what I've been seeing lately on my feeds or it's like, uh, I forget what it's called, like Soki or it's like these small concerts that happen in people's homes yeah. and stuff. Yeah, I've been seeing that too. Yeah. These pictures that look so ambient at night <laughs> and the lighting's perfect and it looks like, you know, a fairy from the movie Hook could just yeah. fly right down <laughs> and be in your backyard for some majestic evening of entertainment. Which, you know, the funny thing is we were doing that. I mean, people mm-hmm. were doing that, but certainly we were the one of the last generations, you and I, mm-hmm. having house parties where you'd play, a, a band would play. I, oh, it still happens now. Some of my favorite gigs, man, is playing inside a house. I, totally. We actually, we played once in a fraternity downstairs early in our career. <laughs> I was like, we were 24. It was the one that got in trouble down Temple. I can't remember its name, but <laughs> it was just wild. Just insane. Yeah. Like, just so many people packed in there. Right, you didn't need a. I mean, maybe it was and quote unquote live. illegal. Yeah, yeah, they were live. Like last week on the podcast, I was talking to Judah about this. Is like that we were all a part of just the end, right, of the human experience. You know, yeah. it's like we, our parents and our parents' generation, grip the same way. Even maybe some of them cowboys back in the day too were like, yeah, right. okay, I still have some. I gotta be home at six o'clock for dinner. You know what I mean? Like we had that growing up, and then it just was like, nah. Right, like You're so. Done. Now, if you want to do a house, now party, you got to catch up yeah. and ride the train of technology, and all the trappings that go with it. Like you need insurance, you need blah blah oh, blah. Yeah, like, everybody made stuff up. Yeah. What's so? What what name do we give these people who make up things to make money? What's the name of people who make? <laughs> What do you call that? Entrepreneurs? Well, ge- generally, they're good. entrepreneurs, yeah, but, but there are good not, ones. Yeah, they're, but what's the name for bad people? Who try to go after art and exploit, like, you know, Expl- exploiters, bootleggers. <laughs> exploiters, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. But yeah, art though, like published, like especially with song rights and stuff like that, it is fascinating to see how it plays out too. Who owns what and how it affects earnings. Right. And like, if I could tell you that, um, I mean, I have a card with ASCAP. And I still have not received payment in a couple of years. And I have like a claim against them. Hmm. And it's, just, you know, to be quite honest, it's just exasperating. And that's why I quit. Yeah. It's like, I'm not doing this no more, man. Yeah. Not by any standards, man. I don't want to chomp at the bit, dude. I think that's the, th- if there's a name of the episode, chomp at the right. bit, dude. Like people go after the art in a way that requires you to protect it at all times. You know, remember the early days of, uh, you know, LimeWire and CD Baby mm-hmm. and yeah. A- Apple I Music? I Baby. Yeah. Downtown Harvest. 
So, you know, back, I don't know what it's like to get on uh, iTunes now, but back in the day. iTunes is over as of yesterday. Yeah, but you know what I mean, like Apple Music. Um, If you had your discs at CD Baby, they'd automatically just put it into the store. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, my, my stuff's been there for, gosh, it might be almost since 2000. 2000 2001 and you know i make like ten dollars a year (laughs) off the royalties it's it's crazy right i mean (laughs) it's really crazy how everything changed too at one point i mean i don't know if i've ever shared this before in the bobcast but i mean at one point the band was making decent enough money that we were able to afford travel hotel stays merchandise and it just was a like a circulating thing of money right for a long time, I told them, like, in the beginning, like, look, let's just not split it up. Let's just have experience. You know what I mean? Just go out, move to California. I was disciplined enough to save the money to get the band out there. And I just don't know, like, what else I could have done, really. Yeah. I mean... All right, you it, try to make it easy for everyone to have a living. Yeah. 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 It's hard to be an artist and uh, try to get your work out there. It's hard, you know. So it's hard to get it noticed. It's hard, easy to get it out. It's hard to get it noticed. I mean, yeah, it's true. There's and part of it is just so there's so much out there, which is the blessing and the curse. It's right? the blessing and the curse. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, definitely. Because you're just it's a chance, you know. But I think and the, there's shows about it. The yeah, fact there's shows <laughs> yeah. about it. Like I remember a time, and you could you're in the same age bracket as me. You know, yeah. I mean, you remember when like the Gong Show and the Battle of the yeah. Bands was the biggest deal in the whole world. Right. It was like, and also like the Gong Show had like this like taboo like type. Oh, like, it's like you know like when you roast somebody, you yeah. know what that does to like the human condition. <laughs> what does that do exactly? Just put people at ease with the fact that they're tearing the shit out of each other. Well, like, I always like feel like I never understood, like how big is your is your personality got to be that you need to be roasted? Right. Well, <laughs> if it's done right and from the right people with mm-hmm. love, right? That's the key. I guess, but I've seen some terrible ones on Comedy yeah. Central. Yeah, because it's not done with love. Yeah, because people are trying to do it from a... yeah Just to make laughs. Shock culture. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, music, as far as publishing goes, I think we can move on. You know, I mean, unless we want to touch on upon some something that I think is fascinating. Yeah, no, keep going. As far as music goes... The thing that I thought was like the most craziest is if you have a copy of this, or if you have the capability right now, don't do it if you're driving. Take a look at the Beatles cover for Yesterday and Today, the 1966 version, okay? Hmm. Have you ever seen it? Yeah. So the article here says, Times have changed. This image of the Beatles in white smocks posing with slabs of meat and decapitated baby dolls yeah. now seems like the mildest form of provocation. <laughs> The Fab Four may have been protesting the Vietnam War, may have been complaining about how their American record company shuffled and repackaged their albums for the USA market, or may have been indulging in just some good old-fashioned dark humor. They were very dark. Uh, so they had to recall 750,000 copies in 1966. So can you imagine the plight of that? That's a movie right there. Yeah. I'm going to have to (laughs) mental note right here. We're making a film about guys that got to go out and get this album off the shelves. (laughs) And then they grow to resent it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And then they keep a few because I had a friend. You could still get those at these like rarities uh, vinyl stores. Mm -hmm. Uh, So every once in a while you'd see one. I think my mom has one actually. So I thought that was fascinating as far as like, you know, 
and something's like out there published, you know what I mean? A bunch of songs and stuff like that. The songs aren't necessarily the reflection of the songs themselves first. They're the reflection of the album cover, which is crazy because it's like one of the only things that happens like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. In my mind, an album cover can determine like Dookie by Green Day is just a mental image in your head That's of right. those songs. Yeah. And you really can't do that with like um, like a DVD cover in a way. Yeah. Or a know? book. Or a book, yeah. Right. But the CD, though. The music album. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> right? It's a statement of what it's supposed to be. And some of them were controversial. And, uh, you know, I, lo- I love that. I mean, even in utero, Rape Me was just too provocative for Walmart. They are like, get that shit off the shelf. And uh, they had to pull it out, and they changed the title of Rape Me to Waif Me, W-A-I-F. <laughs> Which I thought was interesting because Kurt was like all not about censorship, but he did it because apparently he just wanted kids to get copies of Walmart because that's all he had in his hometown or something like that. Yeah, it's about fighting your battles, I guess. And the, the substance is the most important thing. So as long as the recording's intact, fine, call it what you want. But it reminds me of that story of Jim Morrison where he couldn't say um, baby couldn't get much higher or something. He mm-hmm. said like, bite my wire <laughs> instead have you heard this I, I have heard that i've heard two <laughs> versions i believe though one where he, he did say it and they had to no maybe that's it's weird how you can make up stories of historical events in your head maybe they're not true we allow quentin tarantino to just do whatever he wants with them yeah when does that become okay in film by the way have you seen the once upon a time in hollywood not yet i hear good reviews oh about my it god, it's amazing i don't think i had a chance to podcast about it yet but definitely worth it should we move on to sure print? Yeah, to what? Print. Yeah, definitely. What do you want to talk about first? Let's talk about, um, A, because it's so easy, how much of it is actually shit versus good? Mm. I right? know, right? So, I mean, I always think that, too. Like, and people are like, oh, I can't write a book. I can't. I'm like, when's the last time you read a book? Oh, I, I don't read books. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Where'd you go? Huh? Where'd your dreams go? Your dreams just fell through the fucking floor? Come on. Like, just try it. I, you know? I mean, even if it sucks, yeah. do something like that. What do you make of Dylan winning the uh, the Nobel Prize in literature for his lyrics? I'm uh, torn on that. I, I think award shows in general for art, I get why certain bands won't. Uh, participate I, I mean like how do you award art I mean yeah if somebody wins a football game you award them yeah okay the it's points subjective. tell you there's no way to compare two bands of the same creed there's just not yeah I mean somebody might argue uh you know, Greta Van Fleet versus Led Zeppelin it's the same type band but they're two different bands that do maybe the same thing but you know very differently Yes, yeah, so I and think there's no clear winner for it. There I isn't. Mean, and know? I think Dylan had the same sentiment. He mm-hmm. was like, what the hell is going on? And he actually protested a bit because he did not show up to get the Nobel Prize in person, mm-hmm. but instead had something read. Uh, and I, I forget the gist of his statement, but it was something like, these are lyrics that are meant to be heard and sung. Mm-hmm. So to have it be winning the Nobel Prize of Literature, which is a, a written word that it's read, yeah. almost didn't seem right. But he still got the award. <laughs> it's weird to like award. Yeah, I mean, how does that work? You know? Yeah. It's, Prizes it's... are just so strange. You know, I mean, like stuff like that. Award shows, best 
best movie. I mean, movies are so different in tone, too. You know, there's different things, you know, even different drama. Drama categories are all different, you know, in what the story is, the theme. But I mean, I don't know. Well, like fantasy and science fiction. So like back to uh, Harry Potter, Mm -hmm. like Rowling made up a bunch of stuff. Bunch of stuff. Like Tolkien did Uh that had a backstory, but she never wrote about it. Mm -hmm. But she made it come so alive that it was... You believed that Grindelwald had a whole backstory, and now we're only sort of seeing it, uh, and then we're seeing it in film, which mm-hmm. is which is just a great and way theme to parks translate. As well, yeah, and theme stage, parts. so many different mediums, and same thing with uh, that author Stephanie uh, Moyer Meyer, the one that wrote the Twilight series. That was huge oh, back yeah. in the day. I was yeah. teaching in or substitute teaching in a high school. When that book was out and it was like everybody was a vampire you know <laughs> everybody wanted to be bitten by edward cullen and it was awkward it was awkward right. just you know it was very awkward um yeah but and you it's know, weird how books can do that though the print i mean the, i really th- i feel like when we talk about publishing the power of print was and forever will be the most solidifying form in a way something yeah, about kind the of book legitimizes stuff mm-hmm. and yes. i and I, I don't think I make, I'm making this up. I forget where I read it, but once print became a medium, it added so much legitimacy for a bunch of different, quote-unquote, business transactions, mm-hmm. real estate, marriage, so on and so forth, yeah. uh, business contracts. And so part of print making us feel like it's legitimate versus the oral tradition mm-hmm. or this guy told me or a handshake is rooted in a lot of these norms that, oh, it's here in writing, you know, this property's mine, or it's here in writing, I already paid you $5 for that hoagie. The Bible. Yeah, the Bible. Um, the, so that written word yeah. just like... The written word says it all. Creates this legitimacy. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm not biased towards any of the other art forms, but something about publication in that form, and also like newspapers and stuff like that, and getting the word out there, pressed you know but books though something about books it's like it still lasts through the, all the generations yeah it's the c- oldest way of telling a story and we love stories it's almost the highest hurdle because it's a hard thing to make mm-hmm. you know physically make a book oh yeah the process right? of it physically yeah oh it's God. wild like, Bounce, like yeah. setting the type and the binding and the shipping and nobody uh would understand that like <laughs> I hope that just books last and it's not like Fahrenheit 451 or like you know some other sci-fi fantasy novel where you know everything just goes to, to hell yeah because you know something what? about books you know they just I mean like also too like books like on the the Kindle nah <laughs> I want to do that man you want to feel the pages I want to get sand on it I want to mess it up <laughs> I want the cover to be all screwed up, you know? Yeah. I don't want to give it to somebody and be like, hey, here's a nice looking book. I want it to look like it's gone through hell. Because <laughs> the book has a story to tell, and I had a story to tell, I guess, reading it. You know what's weird, though, is like some of these young uh, young adult authors, their books don't have books in them. You'd think you'd want to kind of celebrate your art form in your art form, mm-hmm. right? But there's rarely, there's rarely text involved in the storytelling itself, which yeah, is weird. Man. Why not? Wait, elaborate on that. Yeah, so let's take uh, Twilight. Was <coughs> was a book any part of the story plot at all? Not really. Mm-mm. Right? Even when like those master vampires, I forget what they're called, are like laying judgment on what's happening. Wouldn't it have been better to have them like 
take a book or refer to some passage or some something, constitution, yeah. something written. They had, they had no credo. <laughs> they had no book. The vampires are just like, yeah. We're we just remem- memorized it from generation to generation. We just tell people stories. That's it. We're vampires. <laughs> we can come out during the day because we got these diamonds. You know what's been really hard in terms of publishing? So let's talk about science a little bit. Mm-hmm. So science is a science, but there's a lot of art in it, mm-hmm. particularly in how you talk about it. And you know, there's a legitimacy in getting published there mm-hmm. still, for better or for worse. The worst part about it is not everyone can access it, right? So not everyone can afford the subscription to the New England Journal of Medicine mm-hmm. and read that science. And it's really exclusive. It's like a, it's almost like the clergy back in the day where only certain people had access to this, nor could even read it. And, you know, that's something that has got to change uh, because we need real science out there. We definitely this, do, yeah. This country has gone nuts without it. It's weird to think that some things get light and some things don't, you know? Like uh, different fields, you know, I feel like art kind of went, like, you know, as far as like it was, you know, hundreds of years ago. Say, for instance, we go back like 400 years. You're an artist. You're celebrated, man. Everybody's like, he's here. She's here. (laughs) (laughs) Come on in. You know, we can't wait to hear you. You know, there was nothing else. God, you know, and it'd be great to just experience that just, you know, not in a virtual world or something, but just to actually feel, <laughs> feel that as a human being, as a musician. Right. To be like, oh, my God, they're they're like really, really excited. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. Like Be- Beethoven was one of the first like rock stars. Can you imagine that. Right. Can you imagine you're in that room trying to control yourself? Like, say, for instance, you're one of these dudes that are like, you know, I've had a little bit too much tea and uh I may lose my shit when he starts playing that, you know, like I've gone Australian, but you get the picture. <laughs> you get the picture I to do. be in the room with that. Yeah. And yeah. then imagine him not being able to hear it. That's crazy. And then conducting an orchestra. How, how is that proven? Is it, in, is there medical records? Is it written down in a book? <laughs> it's, it's, I don't know if it's written down in is a book. Is it a scientific book? fact? Can we examine the skull tonight on the Bobcast? Uh, I wish I had it in front of me. I don't know what his hearing problem was, whether it was in the bones or something yeah. uh, you know, neurological, but um, yeah, I think it's pretty well accepted that he's, he was deaf. He went deaf. Yeah. Just to be in the room, that would be amazing. I mean, going back and like seeing like also like the gesture in the castle, you know, <laughs> I would love to be in the gesture, make people laugh and then just go upstairs and live like a king. Like, shake him up there. Do, do they Let really wear live. those hats with the bells? Yeah, I'd be That's one kind of, of <laughs> I'd do that, and then I, you know, I just live the the party uh, lifestyle. I feel like those castles were much colder than they. Oh my looked god! Can you imagine freezing, how cold it was? Right, just like. Like, say for instance, you got to leave the room. You're freezing, dude. You're <laughs> all the way up there. There ain't no heat. Right. You need like a fireplace in every room. You know you ain't got no Crocs or like sandals when you get out of bed. You got to put your shoes back on. <laughs> There's no windows. There's just holes There's in the nothing. wall. There's nothing. There's just holes. <laughs> Windows haven't even been like like thought of yet. Right, much later. You know, they're like, oh, we can do this. But that must have just been wild to have that like experience, you know, and then just to experience other things like that. Also, too, the excitement when you would get a written letter back in the day. Oh, like yeah. I'm talking this day. Yeah, yeah. Even oh, my now. God, dude. Somebody just rode a horse, bro, with a letter for you to read. And, I mean, and it doesn't get no better than that. So I last time I wrote a letter, I was in college. Mm-hmm. And these things were painstaking. And 
you always wanted to, you know, you, mean you like couldn't a cross letter, out too a much. Letters to somebody, or yeah, an like a real physical, physical, le- like physical letter. Okay, that you licked the stamp yeah, and okay. like mailed it, and it was such a weird experience to to write your thoughts down and not be able to edit. I mean, yeah, you could cross out something here and there, but you can't like delete whole paragraphs. You can't no. You can't go back on your word. Oh no, especially if you're in a crunch, yeah, and you're like, oh, you know, yeah. But that's uh, its own form of art too. There's letter, so many different letter writing. Of art. Letter. Oh my god! Yeah, there's like, wasn't there a movie? Yeah, uh, Joaquin Phoenix and her. He wrote love letters or something like that. Oh, to his OS. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. This, uh, what did I write down here? As far as print, though, like when it comes to controversy, I guess I mean the, there's so many books that you could describe as being published and then it causing an uproar, like an idea being sparked from the book, you know. And that always fascinated me that a, a book could do that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like a book could make people change their cultural values. You know what I mean? Like right. somebody else wrote this and this is me. You know, like, and it's caused so much heart heartache for people. I think because of that. That's the power of print. Yeah, like when Thomas Paine wrote, I forget what it's called, but he wrote that um, a little manifesto back mm-hmm. in the colonial days, and that that was like a really provocative yeah. piece of work. Um, I mean, there's so many up. different um, books. I mean, like you could, I mean, there, let's think. Manifesto. Mein Kampf. Mein right. Kampf. Um, Helter Skelter. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Stuff yeah. like this, like books that like paralyze people into believing somebody else's message because it's written so well and it's like brainwashing for other people's frequencies. I don't know. I mean, I don't think I've maybe some Batman stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I have been influenced. I've never been influenced. (laughs) That's a good realization tonight here on the podcast. I don't think I've ever been changed by a book, but a comic book, maybe. maybe what about a graphic that, novel? Graphic. Well, I mean, I right. guess you can consider the Killing Joke graphic novel. The first time I read it, I was maybe too young, and there's some scenes of rape. Talk about controversy. Mm. The Joker rapes off camera in a way, or it's implied that he's going to. Right. Commissioner Gordon's daughter. And that was something into itself that people were like, "What? What did he? What happened?" Right. And it got people talking. You know. Meanwhile, it's just ink. It's on just paper. ink and page, but it's also too the visual yeah. representation by Brian Bowen. His art right. is drawn in such. I believe there's something about the Killing Joke when you look at the art inside of it. All of it is very sexual. Hmm. Brian Bowen has a sexual nature to his pencil, <laughs> like deviant or erotic or both. Uh, like all of it, because the Joker is depicted as being. All three of those things you just described, yeah. right? So, yeah. but Batman also too has very um, phallic-like horns. There, uh, this is just a total realization right now, live here. That book is very sexual hmm. from start to finish. The What's it called again? The Killing Joke. The Killing Joke. It's it's probably. I mean, some would argue. Some Batman fans hate it. They go up against anybody that says it's the best one written. But I mean, it's it's the quickest read you can do. I think it's maybe like. 70 pages if maybe not but it's just so quick to it but there's something about it that was very provocative and also caused a lot of controversy as far as print goes in the same way i guess that we were talking about like those books that influence people to go up above and beyond and go insane and then do terrible things yeah 
Also, too, I was thinking we were talking about the Beatles just a moment ago. I mean, think about John Lennon's death. Right. I mean, they say December he was influenced yeah. by Salinger. And it's like, huh? How's books come into play right. when it comes to madness? Is it because you're reading somebody else's 230 pages of just um, input and it, you have to take it in? It's like one big spell. It's you know really I mean? weird. Like, yes, very good point. You read Here on it. Spooky Bobcast. <laughs> it's a freaking spell. <laughs> it's a spell. I really believe. Okay. It's, so you fall my, under it or you don't. Yeah, it's like witchcraft, man. It's insane. <laughs> it's modern day witchery. Dude, books are spells. They really are, man. Even like possessing them. You know, there's something about a book. I just gave your brother two books last week here on the <laughs> Bobcast. Yeah, so like Harry Potter, he kills the that book, Tom Riddle's diary. Like yeah. that's a key plot device in in the story. Which, you know, back to some writers not using books. Like, you gotta you put books in the story also. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, like some references to. I mean, I loved season one of True Detective, and there's quite a few books that were recommended in that. And sometimes it was like, ah, you know, I remember the first book though that I was influenced by a movie to go buy. Um, it's called Lawrence Fishburne and uh, Ghost Dog: The Way of the Samurai. Oh yeah, or it's not. Is it Lawrence Fishburne? Uh, See, this no. is where the system come in. Forrest Whitaker, yeah. right? So this movie has a book inside of it, The Way of the Samurai, I believe. Nice. I forget the name of it. Akashi or I don't know, but if you knew the film, you know what I'm talking about. And it was right. the first time I ever special ordered a book at uh, Walden there in the Plymouth Meeting Mall. And like I had to fill out like a yellow slip like I would when I would like send away for like a new Pearl Jam CD or something. It was the first book I ever bought and I felt like I was under its spell when I read it because it's the way of the samurai and yeah. like how, how to go. Hakuru, that's it. Hakuru. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, so last, like, the last book that put me under a spell was uh, A Clockwork Orange. Oh my God, dude, that's insane. Look. Do Boom, you have the, on the yeah. list. <laughs> nice. You know? The the those words the the slang was just druggy oh at the Carova Milk Bar. <laughs> right. We were going out for a wee bit of the ultra violence. Happy Polly Lodges, right? Like oh, what God, the hell? Dude. Happy Polly Lodges. Uh, yeah, the scene in so the record great. store, uh, as depicted in film as well as in the book. Something about that book, though. Yes, when you read it. In that language, I also felt that way when I read *Lord of the Flies* for the first time yeah. as a kid. It's it's like this like older slang in a way, hmm. you know. But I like when um, books do that. I mean, my favorite book. I mean, the book that got me started reading books was *Slaughterhouse Five by Kurt Vonnegut, and it's an easy read. It's about this guy that has PTSD that travels to this planet called Trollfamador. Hmm. I was like, come in, yeah. And it got me going on stories in the long form like that. And ever since then, I would never want to pick up like a nook or something like that. Yeah, defeats yeah. the purpose of the page, the power of print. So you know, I didn't have a lot of books growing up. My parents it wasn't wasn't a thing. Plus, they were Korean and they didn't mm. have like a, a bunch of English books lying around. But so most of my exposure to to reading was in school. Mm-hmm. I remember reading uh, *Grapes of Wrath*, right? One of the most yeah. celebrated novels of you know American novels or any novel anywhere, and. I actually couldn't really get into oh. all of it, Same, but there dude. were there were a couple of chapters that were just awesome. You went to Plymouth White Marsh, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in the, we might have yeah. had the same book, bro. <laughs> I remember looking at this thing and being like, "What is this shit, dude? I don't care about this truck. 
I don't care about this dust. I just don't care. Okay. I'm living my life. It's the nineties. Things are great. Nothing's bothering me. Right. I mean, you know, it's I don't Friday. Hear about the dust bowl. Or read this, you know? I mean, they made a movie of it as well. And it's yeah. so critically I mean, that's just the power though of art though. It's truly yeah. art is subjective. And when it be, when it comes to books like that, it's nice when somebody doesn't say, Oh my god, it's the best book I've ever written and I'm like, Oh yeah, it is. Because I wouldn't like want to take away from like if you were to say, Hey, Bob is my favorite. I probably wouldn't have expressed my disdain. Yeah, so, I mean, because well, the weakness you don't, of my character. Yeah. <laughs> that is. Well, you don't want to be a total knucklehead, right? That's part of it. Also, I don't like being rude towards other people's preferences. <laughs> it's their preference. Well, yeah, you want to. I think that's our main problem. Except like the shit that's going on with Ellen and George W. Bush right now in the right. news. Like, I, re- I read that Mark <laughs> Ruffalo was like, oh, we want to hold him accountable for his crimes <laughs> against humanity. I'm turning into the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> and I'm just like, dude, just be Bruce Banner, dude. Do your job right, dude. Right. Like, what, what, I mean, like, I know. I mean, like, yes, he did some bad shit. You know what I mean? But, like, he's also just, like, not, he never was with it. You know what I mean? <laughs> he never was, should have been in that role, you know? I feel bad for. I mean, like the true, the, the country true elected expre- him twice. <laughs> twice, I remember when he got elected too. I remember that I stayed up what? that night and it was like a landslide. I was like, "Oh God," <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Ellen's People response was so great. Mad like, back she's then. just my. He's just my friend, and like, you know, we all have family members who have done crazy stuff. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Makes Thanksgiving awkward or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, what do you crucify them? Now you don't crucify people. You know what you do? The true message of life is to forgive them, really. Because, I mean, I have people that I have forgave, and I feel better about it, you know? Because it's just like, why would you want to take that with you? Yeah. Not saying to the grave, but, like, why would you want to take that with you to Saturday right. or Sunday? C- carry it, carry it, it around. Yeah. I mean, and you put it in context, like... The- I, I feel, you know what I feel, though? When it comes to art and, like, getting your message out there, people... It's it's hard for um, bands to work together. I tried for so many it's years really to hard. arrange a network, and that's what my shows are all about. But I'm finding now that it's just convincingly harder and harder to operate as one. I think you it's know? easier to find love and get married oh, than it is God, to yeah. actually have a band that lasts that long. It's, 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 it's a tired market, though, but that's the only way to do it is to support each other. I hope, that, I hope it works for bands that play at Top of the World. I hope that they... Um, like network together and do things. It makes yeah. me feel good when I can do that for them. But it's also part of what we're talking about earlier on the show. That's strange is like art. Should, it should always have a chance. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just a shame that in today's culture, it's like only some people get their book printed, you know? Yeah. I have a friend, uh, I follow her on Instagram, but we used to work together. Her name is Lizzie Toe. Mm-hmm. Um, check her stuff out she makes just really amazing art little paintings big murals and she's got a distinctive style it's like it's part Matisse it's part Picasso Um, but it's all hers and she's she's just really great I I think she actually makes a living out of it which is awesome but she probably does some other creative stuff too Um, and then there's another painter her name is Agnes Cecile she does watercolors but sometimes does them in time lapse, and oh, it's wow. just stuff. amazing. Just amazing. She does a lot of um, sort of patient focused art. Like so, she'll do a, a a portrait of someone with a cluster headache, and it's 
devastating. It's a good name for a band, Cluster yeah. Headache. <laughs> um, this is an excellent transition to our last category this evening, art. You know, publishing art, getting it out there, paintings and stuff like that. You know, like yeah. who, who, who owns the painting and then puts it out there? Do you understand that stuff? Like with like, as far as it goes, like with like, okay, say for instance, I have a work of art, but I got to put it in your gallery. Who makes the money? Yeah, so I don't know uh, about how the money is made uh, or mm -hmm. who, the split of it, but um, the price of it certainly is very arbitrary, right? $6,000, it's not time and materials. And this guy got high and threw some paints or something, you know what I mean? It's right. like worth Flicked 10 it grand. around. Flicked it around in his garage because he's got yeah. the room for it. That's the only reason. And he has good money to get good paints. Right, right, right. I mean, there has to be some talent, but I mean, I've seen stuff though that yes is very. Well, this is that song by Dire Straits in the gallery where he mentions the artist who was sick of it all and just hung an empty frame. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> <laughs> um, I was looking up this story today. It was fascinating. Uh, Michelangelo, The Last Judgment, right? So I guess it was from the years 1536 to 1541, right? This is 25 years after he completes the, the Sistine Chapel, right? So at this time, Michelangelo returns to the Vatican to work on a fresco that would be debated for centuries. His depiction of the second coming of Christ in the Last Judgment, on which he worked from those years I mentioned, 1536 to 1554. He was met with immediate controversy from the Counter-Reformation Catholic Church. Religious officials spoke out against the fresco, for a number of reasons, including the style in which Michelangelo painted Jesus, beardless, and in the classic style of pagan mythology. But most shocking of all were the paintings of the 300 figures, mostly male and mostly nude. <laughs> in a move called a fig, excuse me, in a move called the fig leaf campaign, bits of fabric and flora were later painted over the offending anatomies, <laughs> some of which were later removed as part of a 20th century restoration. So isn't that fascinating to think that like he's up there doing his thing and then somebody's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Cover them. Cover those and penises. And how many penises did he draw? Did he make them all look it the same? This is over here, 300 dicks. <laughs> imagine that. <laughs> Can you imagine just being like, oh, no, I've got to go back up there. Let me draw this one a little different. Oh, no. I'm going to paint this one a little darker. <laughs> just paint paint the penis green. I guess he had to make leaves. But, I mean, I, I find it fascinating, though, that, I mean, like, at the top of the list, though, the, and the thing that we think about, too, the is... Beardless? The, is the, is the, and yeah, yeah, so this is the time where, <clears throat> excuse me, he first comes out, um, you know, beardless in the classic style of pagan mythology. Huh. I'd love to weird, see, I've right? never seen that. I'd love to see it. So, I mean, isn't that weird? The, the, the people want Jesus to have a beard? Yeah. Not a mustache, a beard. It's just weird, right? <laughs> and I really didn't understand that until like late, much later in life, man. Like much later in life, I was just like, "What?" Or lo and long hair. He can't have like a short oh, yeah. haircut. Yeah, he can't have short hair. He can't look like he's from J. Crew. You know, <laughs> like he can't have that look. But why not? It's also probably the same reason why you don't see many um, <laughs> long hair police officers. We all have categories that we feel safe in. Yeah. Or stuff like that, you know what I mean? Maybe there is. I shouldn't be so uh, submissive towards either parties, long hairs or police officers. But you get what I'm trying to say. <laughs> but like, 
it's just like, oh man, you don't what people, see it. What people though, you're think right. is offending, and what they think, you know, it's weird. It's all part of the uniform, not not just the clothes you wear, but the uniform you use your whole persona, you, the way you wear your hair, the shoes you wear, your walk. Yeah, right. That's all part of the uniform. It's just it really is interesting when you think about the history of like publication of art, right? And like it's weird too if if you're when you're young and you think of the word published. Yeah. What? Yeah. What's published mean? Yeah. If you're like five or six, huh? Yeah. It's a weird word to describe. Somebody takes what you like and then lets everybody know about it. Yeah. Well, it's root in the whole, it's, it's root in the word of public, right? This, this idea. Mm, yes. Let's make it available mm-hmm. in an official way. It's published. Um, but I always feel like publish is really reserved for books. But yeah. really, anything is published. Like you know what I'm trying to say with yeah, art, though. Like as yeah, far as like yeah. somebody is buying that and then allowing people to see it in yeah. a way, scaling it, scaling it in a way. Yeah, it's weird, right? It is weird. Yeah, scaling it. Like ah, yeah. we will show them. Yeah, it's some taste. Maker. He has no beard. <laughs> what? <laughs> That'd be a funny movie. Just a day with them running around, be like, you must cover all the dicks, <laughs> all the penises, and give him back beard. People need to know the true <laughs> nature of beard. It, Jesus. It's weird. But like with books too, it's just like, if you think about with religion, and I guess this is like the best topic to close with is the Bible. Because it is published but by who? <laughs> right? Like who, right. Who wrote this? Right. We don't know who to pay. And so these books are now found in hotel rooms because of it. And people try to knock on your door to give you the message because they believe... Yeah, they own the publishing rights. Well, and, and it's fascinating to think that, right? Like, and who edited it, right? Exactly. There are other books That's that are a whole in, other podcast that right? we can go into. I've studied like stuff with the Dead Sea Scrolls and like yeah, all this. Yeah. So many different things have been like, you just take take it as we've mentioned tonight. You take the butcher's word for it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> as Tommy Boy would say, like, right? This is the loin. This is it. This is the book. You know, I'm. I gotta do it. You know. And everybody has them too. I mean, there's the Bible, there's the Quran, there's the Old Testament, the New Testament. Right. Everybody's got something when it comes to religion, and it's got something to do with them publishing their fears. Yeah, yeah. We wrapped it all. We did. We wrapped it all together tonight, <laughs> dude. That's the most craziest thing when it comes to the Bible is when somebody. And don't get me wrong, I am very spiritual. I believe in things, but I do believe that the Bible was written by man. Okay? Yeah. It ain't magically written by like, you know, like, you know, fairy dust Jesus, like you like burning a book into the beginning of like, you know, that Santa Claus movie or whatever, but I I just don't see how that the Bible is what started it all, I guess, in some people's minds, but in the eyes of media. And publication nobody owns it and everybody has it and there's nothing else like it yeah reprinted over and over, over for and over hundreds and of over. years it's crazy really now, let me ask you a question it. yeah and this could be a show <laughs> this could be another wait so it's if many different people are taking the bible and then publishing it right and then printing it right and pressing it and then selling it is there anybody that goes around to make sure that it's still intact? <laughs> it's still the right one. It's still right. the right you one. You could secretly change it each yeah. time you pressed it. And you could secretly influence areas. Oh, you totally could. Yeah. 
Is that the? Is that that's the, wild? That's another movie. That's a movie. We got two movies out tonight's podcast, dude. Right. I only get maybe like one like a month. So yeah, well, you'd have to do it subtly enough where it would span like a hundred years. A long time, and that would be the slow burn of the film. Is like we've right. secretly telling them that. <laughs> right. If Change they one only word. use their air conditioners when it's above, you know, I don't know where I'm going with that at all. But I mean, like, it is interesting to I think mean, that. I mean, just changing an and to an or. Oh, yeah. Or a he to a she. And there's like a club of people like, oh, we found it. Right. They're like in the back of like a, you know, uh, Best Western. Like, we found it, boss. <laughs> we found the right copy. There's six pages missing and three paragraphs and two, desperately, you know, like punctuation, anything. You know, to get real nerdy about it, that's version control, right? Mm -hmm. How do you control the version? It's crazy. It's the remix. Nuts. It's really nuts, really. I mean, it's it's a, a provocative question to leave the listeners on. Yeah. Nice. But um, it is wild. If you really think about this, ladies and gentlemen, we'll take another moment to reflect. Who has a Bible still? Do you have one in your house? Good. Are you religious? When's the last time you checked if it's word for word correct? <laughs> we may have ourselves an app as well. Like some would be like, oh, I've got no time to read that. Like, you know, <laughs> right. something reads the Bible to make sure it's correct. Call I'm, me. Call me if you've got any ideas out there, people. I wonder which which book is more ubiquitous in any house, the Bible or like Goodnight Moon? <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> or in any region. Or any, like, it's Cat really fascinating hat. to think, too. I mean, like, it could be applied to anything. Yeah. yeah. Cat in the Hat, Green Eggs and Ham, yeah. um, like anything, all the classics. Yeah. Brown Off the bear, Magic brown Dragon, bear. everything. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fascinating if there was something like that where it wasn't just one book, though, but it was like right. a lot of books to influence? Oh, my God. What if they are actually in real life is a way to do that, not with books, but with media to influence kids to be awesome? Right. Like Whole generations. People. Yeah. These make, four books. To make them stop caring so much about the moment and start, you know, experiencing life again. Like yeah. I, recently I was just around like teenagers um, taking pictures of themselves and it's just very odd, man. We just walk by it like, oh, yeah, I'm old. I'm going in. Like, I don't want to walk by. I want to be like, what the hell? What's going on here? You know? Find a friend to take your picture. No, they are together, <laughs> but they're taking pictures of themselves yeah, with yeah. not each other's friends. Yeah. Like, publishing it. Weird. Right on the Instagram. Mall. And they're in the mall doing it. I'm just like, you're here at the mall. Buy something, dude. Like, do the American <laughs> dream, you know? Or the backdrop is terrible. Go outside. I, um,. I want to thank you for coming on the show. I know you yeah, have your own great. show. I want to tell everybody where they could find it. You want to plug it? Yeah, I'm also the host of uh, a podcast called The Elixir Factor. And it's basically trying to tell stories about scientific innovation. That's excellent. Uh, yeah, it's, I, I love it. I've just started doing it this year. And it's I'm learning a ton. And uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. I love it. Podcasting is very therapeutic. It, it makes... Is. We always I, learn something. Learn something out of it, no matter what, you know. And it's just like it's good. If you can't make a podcast, have a conversation with somebody. I appreciate you uh, coming. In the Thanks lounge. for having me, Bob. It's awesome. Yeah, definitely come back. I mean, we can continue that conversation. <laughs> we could actually dig up some facts to see if there has ever been like some sort of you know falsification of a book through time. Yeah. I mean, I, ma I imagine the Bible has to be, but I mean, like one that is specifically detailed. Right. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Bob, and this has been another episode of Bobcast. <laughs>